Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm just in a sense... Um, you know when, a, when, a, when you're on a dirt road and there's a, a bucky that comes by very fast, it's like all the dust in the air, and then, you know, maybe on your bike and you're like, <laughs> you know, like trying to beef to the ones that are, if you're very smart, you, you check which way the wind is blowing and you get on that side of the road before the car comes past. Huh? Um, <laughs> so for me, tonight is a little bit like that, just allowing the dust from encounter three, just to just to settle in our hearts, just to, to nourish our hearts a little bit, working um, our soil with what God has done over the time of Encounter 3, and just landing it in our midst. If you're new around here, we did a, a very big uh, church thing that was on our calendar, Encounter 3. Who, who was there? Just give me an idea. Okay, great. Where we spent time last weekend just praying through very difficult things like forgiveness, asking forgiveness, extending forgiveness, um, asking God to forgive us. Also thinking about the homes we grew up in and how we want to be fathers and mothers one day. And um, in a way, God had really did a deep work with us, but I don't want to rush past almost a season of what God did. So this is going to be a little bit like a family dinner table, just discussing one or two things, but I really believe that it will, um, if you open your heart, mean something uh, very significant to you. So I'm, I'm calling this how to know who you are. And you know I'm getting to the place that God's going to show you who you are. Okay, <laughs> that's where it's going to end. But what I'm going to do very specifically is show you two ways what this world often promotes as ways to find who you are. But these two ways certainly will not take you to the place where you know who you are. And sometimes if you know the roads that you should not take, it makes clearer or gives you a more of an aha moment of why the ways God lays before us is just so wise. By looking at the stuff, it does not work, right? There's a whole thing of, you know, sometimes you have to know what a great sinner you are to worship extravagantly because to understand that God forgave that. And, and sometimes just by looking at who we're not, what we're called not to do, makes clearer what we are to do. Does that make sense? So what we're going to do is we quickly going to read, well, well, no, we're not quickly going to read, we're slowly going to read through a passage that many of you know. Um, and I'm going to make a comment or two. It is one of the passages that has been preached on in this church quite a lot, and we will continue to do so. It is one of the greatest parables Jesus told because it is a parable where Jesus wanted to show to a very critical crowd what the Father in heaven is like. So who we have here is we have the Pharisees, and we've got some sinners. Not the Pharisees believe they were not sinners. They were also sinners, but just to explain it in terms of we understand we had the Pharisees who believed themselves to be righteous. We had a bunch of crazy people following Jesus and Jesus was loving on these people in such a way that the Pharisees felt, how can 
This man who calls himself God loves sinful people so much. This doesn't make sense. And it obviously showed that they don't know the heart of the Father. And in response to, to the crowd, Jesus tells this story um, just to lead their hearts in a deeper understanding of who the Father is. So we're going to read in Luke 15. Let's read together the story of what some will call the prodigal son. There was a man who had two sons. Say two sons. And I want to show you tonight two roads that will not lead to you finding your identity. You know, when they do studies on people um, in, in, in large groups, men and women that committed crimes, and they often do these, it, it's, it's, it sounds like a broken record because it always comes back to the family. It's amazing the amount of men in juvenile prisons, children under the, eight, under the age of 18, in prison, it's amazing the amount of them who grew up without a father. At the moment, they say in America, you got about 30% of children growing up in a home with mom and dad. Okay, so there's a serious attack launched on the family. But these kind of things happen. What we also see is people growing up in great homes not serving God, okay? So what we know of God is he can save from the guttermost to the uttermost, right? He, he can save from wherever he wants. But what we also see is it doesn't matter where you are born or where you are bred, if you don't turn to your heart to God in any case, you might be lost as well, all right? So God is a great leveler, okay? But what we see here is that what we see in the world today is because of our response as humans, the fact that we want to know who we are and where we belong, we will go to great lengths and to great extents to find who we are. In fact, there's a fire in us. It will drive us very fast and very far to get to that place where we plug in. And for many of us here today, I hope that the Holy Spirit will guide you very quickly to the place where he wants you to plug in so that you don't waste years of your life. Amen. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Um, just a note. It was an incredible insult of this young man. What he's saying is, he's, he's asking his dad, why are you not dead yet? Okay. Because I want now what you are supposed to leave behind for me. Okay, so, so this dad, what typically would happen, would, they would excommunicate a disrespectful son like this. He would be kicked out of a home. The community would reject him because it's a sin against the family, against community. But here's what the father does. He says, not, and he divided, as what the scripture says, his property between them. So he says, okay. I grant you your wish. And he does the unthinkable. What you need to know is the dad does not have money. He's not, he's not logging on to his Alan Gray fund and transferring the money. This man's inheritance is in land and livestock, bieste, skapen, varken, grond, near land. So the, what the dad has to do is he actually needs to sell off his land, which was very important at, at, at those times. Your land is who you are in terms of the economy, okay? To realize uh, some kind of money to give to the young man. 
Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. We're already seeing one of the roads we're going to expose tonight, which is not the way to find your identity. But there he goes. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. All right. You need to understand that Jesus is telling this in the audience of the Pharisees, extreme Jews. Pigs is like the dirtiest thing in their minds. Like, you know, as I rot where your bed So for them, it's like pigs. Okay. We don't touch it. We don't eat it. Pigs, yucky. It's part of we are morally. We don't eat pigs. So this young man insults his father by saying, I want you to be dead. Gracious father gives him money. Then this young fellow ends up serving pigs. All right. So the Pharisees at this moment are thinking, oh, where's this story going? Someone's going to chop his head off and then we're going to say justice. Okay, that's what they're thinking because it's like the worst. It's like the worst start off for this young man. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. So, okay, so he has a moment where, where he comes to himself. I will arise, I will go to my father, the man I went from, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Okay, see the ark here. I want to get away from you. Give me what you have. I want to take it. I want to leave. He spends it. Having spent everything, having nothing, he goes back. He doesn't have an inheritance anymore. So when he goes back, he goes back to, not an inheritance, his father. He realized, man, because the father did not change. Can you see that? It was a good father who gave his arrogant son, not the death penalty, not excommunication, but his inheritance. It was a good father who waited. The son's heart changed. And he realized I had a good dad. He says, I'm going to tell my dad, I want to be one of your hired servants. And this is very important for where we are going tonight. What he's not saying is, I want to be a slave. Now, there is a big difference in ancient times. If you were a slave, you would live on the property of the master. Quite personally, you'd see him in the mornings, maybe brushing his teeth, right? You'd eat there on the servant's table and work. He'll eat and work. He wants to be a hired servant. So what he's proposing in his mind is, if I don't live with my dad, it's okay. I live out there in the village. Okay, Airbnb. Backpackers, maybe, for him. And when he needs tables to be fixed, he'll, he'll hire me in. I'll do it and I'll go out because I don't want to be in his way. And another thing is, if you are a hired servant, you come in, you get paid. So maybe he's thinking, Dad, I'll pay you back every penny. Hire me, and I'll make amends. Maybe what he's thinking. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. What a father. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, before he gets to the part of, hey, let me be a hired servant and maybe I'll pay you back with my good works and my money, the father said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Now, that robe, the best robe, would be a robe similar to what the father wears. Everyone knows the son, arrogant young man, leaves his father, he reeks of pigs, okay? The dad says, dress him. He would look like his father. As he would walk back home and the servants would look from uh, 50 meters off, they would not know who's the father, who's the son. And the father is not shy to associate with this young man immediately. My son, he will look like me and he will wear what I wear. He puts a ring on his finger, speaking of authority. They... Dad couldn't give you a credit card back then. Okay, F&B was still offline. So they had a ring with family authority. So he would be able, check this out, upon, upon coming back, to spend money again by taking the ring that the father gives to him, going to the marketplace. Hey, can I get this and this and this? Here's the ring. Maybe stamp it. It's on my dad's account. So already you should start and see how your salvation works. Okay? You, you should draw the parallels. I'm interrupting myself a bit, but tonight we're having family time. Take your own and say, Rabbi Kis. Okay? <laughs> you know, we come to God and we, and we come to church. I, you know, I, I see many people. I talk with many people. Um, I'm going to come back to God and I'm going to show God. I'm going to show Him. I'm going to show Him what I'm made of. I'm going to do this and this and this and I'm going to do this and this and this and then I just think, oh Lord, just get to His heart. Because He's asking God to make Him a hired servant so that He can pay back well. Sometimes I see people like, I, I, I can never go back. God will never trust me again. And, 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 and spiritually, if your eyes will just open, you'll see the ring is already on there. You can start spending. Okay? This is not prosperity gospel. This is the gospel. You get what you don't deserve because that means everything you get comes from God. Therefore, it's God. It's grace. It's not you. And that's why we don't worship like this. We, work, we come undone. We're broken. Like, how, how can there be a ring on my finger? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. That's the father we serve. Amen. It's a good father. But the father said to his servants, bring all those things we just spoke about and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now just, you know, we, in ancient Israel, even though farming and having livestock was important, they actually did not eat as much meat because that would mean eating away your savings, your pension fund, all right? So for the dad to take the fattened calf and kill it, it was really, uh, he made a point, I'm glad my arrogant boy is back because I'm picking up he's different. What I've been praying for 
since his birth. He had to go into a terrible place, but this is the moment. This is the moment I've been waiting for. And, and he kills probably his most expensive piece of cattle, and he's ready to celebrate. For my son was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found, and they began to celebrate. The young man, we'll now we'll dissect it in a moment, did not find who he was when he was away from the father. He realized he was lost when he came back. Are you with me? We'll see now. Look at one or two things. Now the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. What was that Afrikaans word for singing? It was the best. Voor sanger. It basically sounded like karaoke in Afrikaans. Like it, was, it was amazing. Well, in any case, sorry, I got distracted. And he called one of his servants and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf. Look at the servant. You have seen what the boss for that. He trek on for papi. The servant, I'm telling you, stirring. First, he says, your brother has come home. Second thing, your father has killed the fattened calf. <laughs> because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Look at this father. This father is taking some shots. One son wants him dead. Sells some of his stuff. Probably a third gives it to the young son. The other one doesn't want to come in when he comes back. So this father is literally running around managing brats for sons. I know it's a harsh word, but you know what's the truth? It's us. It's us. It's me, and it's you. In the heart of a father, this father's just washing feet. <laughs> you know, Jesus would soon after. And the father is not saying, listen, don't you guys get it? He's saying, he's going to the son, he says, he entreats him. He says, look, these many years, oh, this is the, the, um, the brother speaking. Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed a command. Yet you'll never give me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Celebrate with my friends. So once again, also, he's at the home, but his heart is not with a father. It's not like he wants to celebrate with dad. He's like, give me something, and I can also do something with my friends. So the one lost son went away. The one lost son stayed at home, all right? But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, this is that son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. What you need to understand is there's two lost sons. When I look at those two roads in a moment, the one son was so lost, he knew he was lost, right? So when he came back, the father gave him the robe, the ring, and the shoes. The brother at home probably possesses the ring, the robe, and the shoes, but he doesn't act like he has it. So it's maybe on him physically, but it's not in his heart. And so the father's like, you don't get it. We are in proximity. And the father's heart clearly is with his sons. But even though the older brother is in proximity to the father, he doesn't believe it in his heart. All right? 
It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And we do not get the rest of the story. We don't know whether the older brother goes in because Jesus, remember, is speaking to the Pharisees and sinners and he's telling the Pharisees, listen, you should be happy that there's people coming up out of places of sin to draw near to me. But we don't know how the Pharisees will act after the story. We also, we don't get the end of the story. All right, so it's a very provocative story, uh, and Jesus is really going for it. And, and we're going to use this incredible story, which can go in many ways, and focus on two roads that will not lead to true identity. Two roads. Now, who can, who can just help me? Um, we spoke about legacy a lot in Encounter 3. What, what are the two things? that we get within in your legacy? What are the two important things you need to know? Who wants to help me? Come on. Dennis. Okay, the one is identity, right? Knowing who you are. What is the other one? Destiny. Who am I and where am I supposed to go? Okay, what, what does Jesus say? Oh, scripture says about Jesus before he washed his feet, he knew what the Father has given him and he knew where he was coming from and he, where he was going. So he took off his clothes, put a towel around his waist and served. A man who knows who he is, where he's going, is equipped well to do what God has called him to do, right? When Jesus got baptized, the heavens opened. And there was a moment the father spoke, this is my son identity. The spirit comes upon him and dresses him for his destiny. Soon afterwards, he says, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then he lists a bunch of things. So he knows who he is, the father spoke, and he's empowered to start his journey of meaning, And in the same way, Jesus wants to do that for us. But there's two roads that will not lead there. Let's get into that. The first one is the road of the term out there, independent individualism. And it is the road, I know it's a big word, but if you want to forget that, it's the road of the young son. Onafhankelijke individualisme. Okay, and I know it's a big word, but it sounds like this even when children is young, and media, social media, and movies, they help young children with the wrong thing here. It sounds like this. I will do it my way. I am. 16 years old. You will not tell me what to do. As soon as I'm 18 and I'm out of this house, I will do what I want to do and I will find myself. There's a key. I will find myself. Okay? And the problem is the heroes out there whose lives are also falling apart, they tweeting stuff like this. Do whatever is in your heart and you will find true 
happiness. Don't let anyone tell you who you are. You find out who you are. And it sounds right, but, but, but watch out. There's a trap. It's not right and it's not from God. You were never asked to find out who you are from within your own self. It's not possible. And I'll show you why. Sometimes these words are whispered in, with good intentions. Maybe someone is being hurt or abused. Just get my heart. And, and sometimes it's the only thing that can come out. You need to get out of that uh, abusive relationship. Maybe uh, there was an abusive relationship and someone is trying to, to help a friend by saying, hey, uh, find out who you are again. What's, and, and I get the heart, okay? So I'm not bashing uh, people who wants to help other people, but there's, there's some, it's a deep principle here, okay? And there's mainly two reasons why there's a very big problem with finding your identity in your own heart. Two, two ways we can look at it. But just before I jump into that, when Jesus speaks of us, he actually uses quite offensive language, but he wants to help us. He calls us often sheep, okay? Let me just tell you something about sheep. We don't farm anymore, but they're not the smartest, okay? So a lot of my friends lived in a home in Stellenbosch. You know one of those eight-bedroom eight houses where students... Someone buys it and thinks it's a great investment until the students gets in there and just trash the whole place with four years of reckless living, <laughs> you know. And at one stage, my friends are all in Shofar, Stellenbosch back then. They bought a lamb, okay? And they decided they're going to grow their own meat, okay? So they bought a sheep, okay? And they called him Choppy, okay? Now, this is, this is not, this is, this is a real story, it's a real story. So they had a German shepherd, a Labrador, and Choppy. And all three are at the door, waiting, looking. Where the dogs go, Choppy goes. They, they, he's with. But his breath stank. I mean, that, you know, from eating grass and vomiting it up and that stuff. So he always thinking he's not allowed in the home. He, he, he could only stay outside. But then here's the thing. They took Choppy across the road because he finished all the grass on the lawn. There was a parky, okay, and, and the grass were high. So they would tie him to a tree and leave him there for the day with a hornebuck water, okay? But many times when they came back from class, they would find him next to the tree like this because he would walk his rope around the tree as he eats, and then he would tangle him. Sometimes the rope would be around his neck and he'd just stay there waiting for them to come and untie him because he just, he cannot think that maybe if I just reverse, I will, many times. So they would, someone would come to Choppy's rescue and take him back home. And so when Jesus is saying, hey, I am the good shepherd, the sheep knows my voice, there's a great encouragement, but also a great insult for anyone who believes that they're building the wisdom of faith on their own discovery and on their own revelation. What we get, we get from God, who calls and then we follow. Reverse, Varys, reverse, okay, you're doing great. 
Lord, just speak to me because if you don't speak, ah, okay, that's what happens. But now what we are telling the young people is, no, you can actually do this. Just look inside your heart and find greatness. And we confuse young people in school and we place a great burden on them to find something they cannot find on their own. Now, on this whole idea of individual, independent individualism, there's, there's, let, let's just look at two things. The first thing is, it's very difficult for any human being to find meaning within themselves because if we are really honest, we will realize we don't know even what we want. We don't know what we want. Think with me here. I want you for a moment to think back of yourself in primary school. Who's got, who's got memories of primary school? This is a, okay. Okay. Who remembers when they got to high school, they thought, yo, I was stupid when I was in primary school. Let's be honest. Who thought of it? Okay. Okay. Now, you, then you got to university and you looked at your high school photos and you ate the middle pie, you got gel, plat in the cup. And you thought, what did I think? Let's be honest. Who thought like that? What did I think? Then you got to 30 and you thought, oh my, when I was 20. And so it goes because God is growing us. But here's the thing. You are not stable. You are not stable. You are not built to be stable. You were built to be built on something stable. So you can build on a rock or you can build your unstable self on sand as well. But here's one thing you cannot do. You cannot find or build destiny in yourself because you're not designed that way. So you go out, you, you're a girl, I'm, I'm just making this up, I don't know someone like this. You're 15 years old, you're going out with this 20 year old biker. So now you're a metalhead. Metallica, you, you've got it down. Because you are interpreting who you are through this man. But two years later, he breaks up with you. Now you're in the gym, gym scene. Nike, ski pant. Yes, now she's in the gym. Okay? Now you go to university. Now in the res, they are, you know, taking the, the first year through initiation and they're telling you, you are three things, beautiful, powerful, and I don't know, free, free-minded. Now you're that. You're into fairies. You know, because we are unstable. We are unstable. And scripture says it. It says the heart is deceitful above all things. There is many things that might be stable around you. But I'm telling you now that the foundation of your flat is more stable than your heart. The only thing stable about us is the rock of ages, which we build upon. So this road of, I'm going to make it work, Dad, give me my money, is a road many young people go on, and older people, and every time they find the same. Oops! But nothing left, no friends. And then there's a big question, am I humble enough to go back to my father? 
or will the bitterness in my heart drive me to the next venture which leaves me empty again? The first reason you will not find identity there is because you are unable to find stability in an unstable heart. There's nothing wrong with you if your heart and your emotions is unstable. It just means that you are made by God not to be God, but to rely on God. That's it. All right. Are you with me? There's a great, I, I got this. Um, listen, if you want to read a great book on this, Timothy Calero to book, The Prodigal God. Not The Prodigal Son. Prodigal God, it's very good. Get it. If you forget the name, come and ask me. There's a man, Lewis Mead, shocked an audience one time when he said the following. He said, my wife was married to five men. All five of them were me. When I was 23, I wanted this. When I was 28, I wanted that. When I was 35, I wanted that. I went through so many stages. I can't believe my wife is still with me. I was five men. But he said there's two reasons him and his wife did not divorce. Look at where the stability comes from. There's only two reasons why he's happily married now in his 60s. After being five men. <laughs> you know. He says, when I got baptized... I made a covenant with God that I will follow him, not the perceptions of man. I will be his. After that, I got married. And I made a promise that I built on my baptism. When I make promises to God, I'm going to keep it. And if it was not for those two commitments that I made outside of my heart, my heart would have instructed me to go like this. So even his stability in marriage came not from stability within himself, but with a covenant made in the presence of many to God. Man's heart can never be your ultimate rock. It's too feeble. We know it. Our strength and our identity we find in God, not within. It's a great burden to find it within ourselves. The first reason you'll never find your identity like this is because you're unable to find it here. The second reason is identity will always be discovered on the outside. Always. It's an illusion to think we find it here. Let me give an example. Young man moves out of his Parents' house, been kicked out. I don't know, maybe he used some substance or... So now, he says to himself, I don't need these people. I will do it my own way. I only need myself. So he goes onto Facebook and he writes, I don't need my family. I will do what I will do because there's greatness in me. Post. Now he waits for the comments. First one comes through. You go, brother. He's like, like, like. Next one. Yeah, oh man, there's greatness within you. Like, like, comment. How are you doing? The only thing he did is he shifted from the one community to the other. We will always, in the mirror of the world out there, interpret who we are. This is a great story I heard. An incredible analogy. And this is us, if we are really honest. I know we're going deep. There's a scholar tells a story trying to explain how identity is found on the outside. He says a man grows up in ancient times, the times of war, 
where, uh, you know, being a, like a leader or a strong man in your community, almost like a, oh, you know, a warrior of war, was greatly appreciated because it was times of war. The same man had um, same-sex attraction. Okay? So in that time, he, he struggled with anger and same-sex male attraction. But now, in the face of a community where this warrior-like uh, uh, personality is accepted and celebrated, he, he allows his anger to flourish, and he would, he would be in fights, and he would throw people, and he will shout, and he will curse, and he would be celebrated for him, but he would downplay, he will, he will press down on his emotions of same-sex attraction, because in his community, it would be very hard for him to let that out. Same man, New York, 2019, struggles with two things. The one is anger, anger, and the one is same-sex attraction. In a time where same-sex attraction might be celebrated and propagated, he lets it go and he posts about it and he speaks about it, but his anger he suppresses. You see, what we do is we always interpret who we are in the face of who is around us. Our true identity can never be found within ourselves. So the son says, I will arise and go to my father. He realized, I will go to the one who knows what I have been looking for. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Got to the father, he repeated those words. The father says, bring quickly, we spoke about it, the robe, the ring, the shoes, and the fatted calf and kill it. The young man had to break before he realized it is at home with the father that I know who I truly am and where I exist and he ended up back home. So do not go down a road that will leave you poor in spirit, maybe even hurt you in physical ways before you realize your meaning, your calling, your identity and destiny is with the Father all along from the beginning. That doesn't mean we don't go on journeys, great journeys of discovery. It just means that we are sent from the place of legacy, knowing who we are. A young man would always be welcome to leave his father's home and extend the bloodline in another place. But I think the heart of the father would be that he would send that young man with a ring, with a robe and with shoes. Dad, I'm going on a venture for us. I love you so much. Being laid his hands on him and send him out. That's all what happened. All right? So identity will never be found on the road of independent individualism. And it will hurt the young people around us. Are you with me? Second thing is the road of moralism, all right, or conformism, all right, the journey of the older son, I'm just going to do what's right, I'm just going to do what's right here, and, and, and if I do what's right, you know, then, then dad better, better give to me, what is mine, because you see, I'm actually building up a CV here with all the stuff I'm doing, all my works of obedience, the way I just work around this place, I actually work like a slave. One day dad will realize and he will repay me. He will repay me for my greatness.
You know, the problem with this man, and, and, and Brown and I, we often speak about this. In a way, I am, or I was more like the older son and Brown more like the younger son. My life, when, 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 before I met God, there was a, a, a write-up that came from my school. It said, Werner is such a beautiful Christian young man. And I have not met God. I, just, I was just hiding my sin. The problem with the old son is they don't always know that they don't have a relationship with the father. And I said it a few weeks ago, you know, the saddest journey to hell is through the church. Okay? The problem with this older son or the, the moralist is even though he doesn't think it and verbalize it, it's in his heart. The following thing is in his heart. God is actually his debtor. God owes him stuff because, I mean, I've been coming to church for 15 years now. It's about time God delivers on this prayer of mine. I've worked long enough. I slaved around his house, preached most Sundays, in early, out late. It's time for God to pitch because surely I have pitched well. And so it's very hard for this older brother to love the father because the father owes him stuff always. And this older brother is always comparing himself to a young son out there. You know, I always have to get drugs. And then when the older son Life happens to this old son like life will happen to any person. A dad needs to get buried. A mom maybe gets sick. Someone loses a job. This man is mad. Because, I mean, God owes me stuff. How, who is he to take away more from me? It's so hard for the older son to worship and say, Lord, I'm so thankful and grateful because actually in worship he's doing accounting in his head. I'm not lifting my hands. I'm not singing from my heart. Okay? And he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat. So the older son will always compare. Always. This guy has been in church so long. I've been in church so long. Why is he a small group leader? Something wrong with God and the church leadership, of course. Always comparing. Okay? Why do you give to him the fattened calf? I mean, I'm the great one here. Can't you see? I've been slaving away. See, God is his debtor. The father owes him stuff because he's not in love with the father. The young boy, when he walked away, was also not in love with the father. But the old one who stayed at home was just as lost in his heart. Can you see that? God God is always a schuldenaar. God always owes him. This guy is always unhappy and he's always frustrated. <laughs> okay? He's always unhappy and he's always frustrated. But the good father speaks to him. He says, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for 
This your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The father is trying to break open the heart of your oldest son to get him on the same page. So here's the thing that we need to know. There's many lost people out there looking for their identity by going into avenues of great sin, loneliness, name the sins, it's out there, away from God. There's many people in Christian communities building away from God by building their faith on what? Their own works. And both are lost. All right? Let me just get that two, those two points up there again. The road of independent individualism. I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going, to, I'm going to figure it out. I am the author of my faith. I'm the man here. Greatness comes within me. The other one is, I'm just going to conform. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I do everything. It looks like the opposite, and it is, but they both miss the gospel. I'm going to do what the community says. So um, it's, it's got a little bit of humor to it, but it's quite real. So uh, the one man says that the number two, those people, they made money and had sexual relationships to build a community and to fit in, right? Number one, made money or makes money and have sexual relationships to find an identity, right? Everyone looking to find their place, but both these roads, not one of them will ultimately find it. We're almost done here. Every search for identity will ultimately be met from the outside. We're going to find it in the face of people who is unstable within themselves in any case, or we will find our identity at the cross. It will always come from the outside. It's just which outside? Jeremiah 1 verse 5. We're wrapping up. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and before you were born i consecrated you i appointed you a prophet to the nations i knew you and i appointed you not only that i know you but i started to lay the stones on which you would walk one day thus says the lord your redeemer who formed you in the womb i am the lord who made all things it is me you're looking for all right who alone stretch out the heavens and who spread out the earth by myself. Isn't that incredible? The son comes home. He wants to work like a slave or like a hired servant. The father gives him stuff. Why? It's very important because it's foundational to our gospel, to our faith. Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved. It's where you find this identity. Through faith, it is not of your own doing. And that's why in the story, Jesus explains this young man receiving from the Father, not working for it. That no one may boast.
And so in Matthew 6, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father. Our Father. We st- in a sense, the, the starting point of the heart of prayer is coming to the place where we know we have a Father who formed us, made us, knows what He's destined us to do. And when we come to Him in prayer, we can know we are sons. When we move, when we respond, when we go out there and change the world, we're not looking for who we are. We are working from the place of knowing who we are. And there's a very big difference because now we can do it with humility. We're not in competition with anyone. We're not looking for mooi so man. Gesien wat jy gedoen het by die werk. Jong, prachtig gewees, jong. Because now when someone else gets pats on the shoulder and you freak out, you know you are looking for identity. When you are sent and you hear that you've got a quiet trust because the Father whispers, He whispered into your spirit, I'm well pleased with you. But one man says to another, it's their own business. As long as we hear the voice of a Father in our own hearts. Let's stand up tonight. Can we have slide 21 on? Please, yeah, let's stand up and then let's respond to this tonight. From the mouth of the Father, each son will know who he is. Son there, including both male and female, as the Bible often speaks of us as sons, because sons used to inherit. And who inherits? both male and female. Everyone in Christ is in it as an eternal inheritance. Amen? I think my heart for tonight is that for many of us, we'll just be absolutely delivered from a pressure that has been placed on us to find something or do something that we ultimately were not called to do. We are unable. I know these poor young people today are building for themselves identities on social media or even in public perception just because there's this great need to know whose I am, where I belong. We should be the voice that speaks into those lives. He loves you. He made you. He's well pleased with you. Did you know that? Stop running and breaking yourselves, running after these things. The Father wants to speak into your life. Amen. Let's just close our eyes and pray for a moment. Thank you, Lord.
while your eyes, all eyes are closed, um, just for a moment, I just want us to, I just want to lead us in a way with our thoughts and, and have it touch our spirits. And, and I want you to just imagine yourself just walking into a wonderful home and, and meeting the Father. I know it's a strange thought, but Jesus said we can pray our Father. So just imagine meeting Him and, and having Him sit you down and sitting across from you and just telling you who He made you to be. What a moment. Telling you what He had in mind when He made you and formed you and, and the way your voice sounds and the way you look when you laugh and whether you're an introvert or extrovert, he just, he's just explaining to you that all along he's got your identity in his hands. And then he goes on and explains and how he built you and made you to accomplish certain things, your mission, your destiny. How maybe you'd be a mom and there'd be children around your feet and how he just made you to... to lead them through those age those young ages and uh, maybe he saw you in a boardroom doing great work but then also knowing how to point to Jesus everything you want about yourself, everything you want to know it's in his hands, it's in his words, we find it in scripture and also then the spirit conf confirms it and as we pray he says it into our spirits without words. It's just there's a knowing and knowing and knowing that a great search is over. Isn't that amazing? We are standing um, tonight. Let's just respond with our bodies. If, if you want to, why don't you just lift up your hands? Say, Lord, I'm yours. I belong to you. In your own words, I belong to you. In a great way you assembled me for your purposes I consecrate myself to you there's that prayer I consecrate myself to you how freeing my search for identity is over I find it in you that's who I am I'm a son I'm a daughter Just in your own words, just, just thank the Father for making you. Just thank Him for making you and sending you out. That divorce will never define you. Maybe the fact that your parents were divorced, that's not going to define you. God's going to lead you out. What happened to you when you were young, that's not who you are. He leads you out. He leads you to new places of healing. You can lower your hand. I want to pray for one more very important group. I want to pray tonight. Um, some of our facilitators want to pray for you. If, if you want to walk into that place of meeting the Father for the very first time, if you want to make just a commitment to say, Lord, I've heard about you and maybe I, maybe I was like the older brother. I, I had a Bible. I always got one for my birthday and we used to go to church and, but you know, I, I just don't know you 
Or maybe you feel a little bit like the younger son. You're like, man, Lord, I always tried to run away from you. But man, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And I'm telling everyone here, the father wants to give you a ring, a robe, shoes. Because you are his son and daughter. And if that is you tonight, if you want to, if you just want to run back into the arms of a father, maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you went away, you ran away, you want to come back. Maybe you want to come to him for the first time. Then we just want, it's very important that we have this moment because that's why we are here. That's why we have a church, amen? To allow people to meet God. I'm not happy with the fact that you're in the church where I happen to preach. That, that means nothing. I will be greatly happy in my heart if you grow closer to God here. That, that would make me happy. So if that is you, if you need to just, if you want to get back to God or meet Him for the first time, I'm going to count to three and then you just put up your hand. That's me. I'm coming back to God. I'm starting a relationship with Him. In one, two, three. to you to worship you Lord as we worship you we are found in you and and we just lay ourselves down for the great purpose we have of worshiping you first and foremost and from that place sharing our faith with every human being that has breath in their lungs we consecrate ourselves to you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Amen